0: Hello,
1: I'm Chris Cole, and welcome back to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? If you're here for unrivaled insight and unparalleled analysis of football, then here's an example of what you're going to get this series.
2: Was Carol Poborski the only person in the dressing room that wore those shin And love. Oh, and love,
1: he's got a real touch now. Peter and love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin! Unknown goal from Ruddock! Ball oh, by break here for Kiwabia!
2: Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce!
1: score! Can Bart
2: Williams get his revenge? No! Still Rule Fox. He's gone to the left.
0: Oh. Now, you know him better than
1: anybody, Bobby. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes.
2: Oh, and oh. he hasn't! No!
1: Hello and welcome back to Quickly Kevin Will He Score. I'm Chris Gold, joined here with my co-host Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And you don't win anything with kids. It's the director of podcast, Mr Michael Marden. Hello. Well, it's here we go, Josh. Another series. Lovely to be back. Great I'm to very be excited.
2: Back. I'm so excited about Frank Skinner.
1: So excited. Well, yeah. we're literally minutes away. We are. And do you know what? We could talk all day about being back. But shall we just crack on with this wonderful correspondence? Let's do it. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the electronic post bag. You've got mail. Right, the post bag has been bulging, Josh. It
2: has the electronic post bag. Now then. Someone's had to get himself a new dongle. (laughs) (laughs) I like to also think that Jim Rosenthal is the one that's receiving all the emails and passing them on. (laughs) Did I tell you about uh, when Jim Rosenthal sent us those recordings of himself? Uh, he sent it from his wife's email address, hinting to me that Jim doesn't have his own email address. Oh, I love that.
1: <laughs> Untouchable. <laughs> he can't and and also, but... we had to pay him in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. When he opened his laptop, it was just the dark web. Yeah, he's
3: just off the grid.
1: Off the... <laughs> it's just Jim and David Batty. <laughs> yeah, and when we caught co- on record his landline at home, she said, his wife said that Jim Rosenthal's been dead for 50 years. <laughs> Correspondence. First up, Liam Murta. I distinctly remember Brian Moore asking Keegan about David Batty's penalty taking abilities in 1998 but I think there is an even better Brian Moore commentary moment that took place in the 1990 World Cup Can I just interrupt sorry Yeah Um, Can I just say when we chose the title we didn't think it would still be leading to
2: correspondence in series (laughs) 2 and I for one I'm delighted
1: that uh, that title has proved to be the biggest talking point of the show. I think it's worth saying as well, a journalist asked me about this podcast and said, where did the title come from? I explained it. And they said, well, I don't think Brian Moore's going to come on your podcast now. <laughs> no, he won't, mate. For one big reason, I'll let you Google that. Also, could I just say, which is becoming the, uh,
2: the Catch catchphrase of Series 2, What I enjoy most about it is when I interrupted you during the correspondence, you've been holding your index finger on the word you got to throughout.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you don't lose your place. <laughs> exactly So seamless So 1990 World Cup ITV's coverage Was sponsored by National Power A relatively new development For the time and Which seemed to involve The commentators Cramming in the phrase National Power At every opportunity I was watching The last group game Involving Scotland They were playing Brazil Needing to draw to progress The match was now Deep in the second half And it looked like Scotland could do it When Jim Layton Fumbled a long shot And the Brazilian striker Muller Scored from an acute angle Virtually From the goal line the game finished 1-0 to Brazil, and the evening would have finished on that disappointing but calm note for those gathered, had not Brian Moore announced, just as the live coverage was going to an ad break, and this night of disappointment is brought to you in conjunction with national power. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is, what they were paying the big bucks for. That is superb,
2: isn't it? It was interesting football sponsors in the 90s. Yeah. Plymouth, uh, for quite a lot of the late 90s, was Rotolock. Which was the Industrial Components firm owned by Dan McCauley, our chairman. I love all of those. Well, I just don't see how that's selling more. Yeah,
3: it's all those of those like local businessmen that have yeah. done, you know, like the sort of mini Jack Walkers. Yeah. The, <laughs> the local tim- Jack Walker the timber back. merchant. Yeah, yeah was, you know, a plumber that's done really well sponsoring a <laughs> Division 2 team. I love all
1: of that. <laughs> but other bizarre sponsorships, Classic FM with QPR. Is anyone watching QPR going... Oh, well, I was going to listen to the capital. <laughs> <laughs> let yeah. just got a hatchet last
2: night. Yeah. I fancy some Rachmaninoff. <laughs> Do you reckon that was off the back of the Pavarotti boom? Oh, maybe, They were thinking yeah. maybe there's a football classical music crossover. Yeah. yeah.
3: There's a great one um, I remember from the early 90s. with was Scarborough. They were, they were oh, sponsored yeah. by uh, something called Pleasure Island, which in a pre-internet world, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> but my friend had a porno from his dad's collection that was called Pleasure Island. <laughs> Didn't you thought it was and it, that? was and it was like a sort of pirate-based...
2: No, what, they'd sponsored scar.
3: And that's what I thought it was. <laughs> it turns out it was like a local theme park, like a sort of regional <laughs> theme park. But for years
4: pre-internet, Wait, I, I, I thought that like,
3: this porn th- film was so successful that it had sponsored a lower division football <laughs> club.
2: <laughs> um, if your team was sponsored by... I mean, we're going to get loads of these, we should do. I'd hope. Jim Rosenthal's going to be absolutely... Well, his wife is. Yeah, Jim Rosenthal's wife's going to be sending him over. Uh, If your team was sponsored by a um, bizarre pointless sponsorship in the 90s, um, well, should we let Jim tell us how to get in touch?
1: Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com Right, had another email. Steve Compton, who back in the day saw Trevor Sinclair in Our Price at the Exchange Shopping Centre in Ilford. Um, and I can exclusively reveal he was buying version 2.0 by Garbage, which, Josh, exactly the isn't the best of, album. It's not
2: the best Garbage album.
1: Doesn't even have a stupid girl on. <laughs> doesn't even have stupid girl. Doesn't have queer. Doesn't have I'm Only Happy When It Rains. <laughs> Sinclair was lucky to get into the 2002 World Cup <laughs> Squad on <with> that four. <laughs> Um Right, Martin Higgins. Firstly, though not strictly 90s, it was mentioned in the first series that Saudi Arabia had sent a rather dubious team to the 1989 FIFA Under 16 World Cup. Mike says, I've managed to find some footage of this from Saint and Greavesy. Oh, yes, where in- else? I hope this is on YouTube. In addition to the blatant cheating of the Saudis, the clip also contains some Greavesy magic, including a very on PC joke oh, no. about the team enjoying a vegetarian pre match meal, a joke <laughs> that eight of the Saudis had testimonials this year. <laughs> As well as him naming the Saudis winning goal taker Ian Rushdie. Oh, <laughs> Come Christ on! Oh, Christ. oh God. Oh, the clown prince of football broadcasting. <laughs> it was a different time.
2: It was a very different time. Oh, um, if, oh. if we have found that clip on YouTube we will yeah. send it out. If you've got any more Saint and Grievesy clips do send them Please to send us, us because in. I it is a real
1: <laughs> gold mine but we can't be able to mine it ourselves. <laughs> right. and had another email from Nigel Jemson whose name has been changed for the benefit of anonymity. He says, hearing the name Chris Bart Williams in your excellently addictive podcast brought back some very bad memories. But I feel sharing with you will bring some closure possibly to both as she listens to this podcast. A few years ago I dated a girl who I really liked. A couple of dates in, she dropped the bombshell that her ex-boyfriend for quite some time had been Chris Bart Williams the Bartman.
4: Having initially
1: thought this was cool, upon sharing this with my friends I was subjected to great ridicule based on complete conjecture that I wouldn't be able to compete with the Bartman in the trouser department. Oh dear. This had started to mess with my head, and when finally getting to fourth base with this very attractive girl, I had a moment that I could best describe as the greatest flop since Newcastle signed nineteen ninety-eight World Cup winner <laughs> Stefan Givash. Both mortified, things fizzled oh, out pretty quickly. Sorry. So you can imagine my delight when discovering via your podcast some years later that, again, based on complete conjecture, the Bartman has small feet, therefore I probably had nothing to worry about at all. Kindest regards, Nigel Jempson That is a lovely and phenomenon. sad
2: story. I do feel bad for Nigel, but um, I'm glad we've brought some healing to it.
3: Yeah, I feel bad, but if any other listeners have suffered from erectile dysfunction
2: because of a 90s footballer
4: <laughs>
2: email him to um, email him it'd be good if we actually. could I mean we can because this is pre-recorded but it'd be good if we could go back and you could put on uh, the uh, that sad song from Radio Highland yeah. our song our song yeah. back engineered I'm you. glad you enjoyed the music <laughs> <laughs> we, to, a we and installs the to series too is, we've just broken the fourth <laughs> all <full> of podcasts <laughs> now last series we started a um Correspondence about uh, surprise '90s transfer rumours. So, I bring you our section '90s transfer rumours. Nice that, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. Can you hear where I am? Oh, can you describe it for the listeners? Yep, I am in a piazza, in <laughs> which Naples. is Italian
1: for. Place.
2: <laughs> I am in a piazza in Naples, uh, just uh, tucking into a pan au chocolat and uh, Waiter, just one latte, please. A yeah. Pan au chocolat, yeah. isn't that French? Yeah, <laughs> <What>? so, <laughs> so, anyway, transfer rumours. <laughs> transfer rumours. Um, hey, uh, Paolo, Paolo, <laughs> More Sucre. cray? Now, um, lots of people sent us in the, the the ultimate. If you can beat this, it is uh, the. Uh, we've got the newspaper clipping. Which exists online. Baggio is QPR target. Whoa. And the best thing about that is it says, the 28-year-old striker. This was in his pomp. Wow. You look, at Juve. He went to AC Milan in reality. Did he turn down the chance to have Classic FM on his
1: chest? (laughs) Well, I think it's worth bearing in mind as well, this is (laughs) pre-Westfield. So... (laughs) You know, he's taking a real chance there if he's going to go for this move. It's a little London-centric <laughs> gag there. Uh,
2: Richard Gould, uh, I lived in Manchester and one summer. There was a rumour that Ryan Giggs was going to sign with AC Milan on the basis that my mate's cousin who worked in a garage had seen a Teach Yourself Italian cassette in Giggsy's car that he brought for him for a service. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, this
1: is a thing I've often wondered. You know you get a new, like you get a second-hand car. So people must have had a car that was owned by a 90s <laughs> That's
2: oh, a good one.
1: Yes. Surely. In the, lo- the logbook. Surely. Have you ever got a logbook, ever bought a used car <laughs> and seen a previous owner was a 90s footballer?
2: Now, uh, the final piece of transfer room, by the way, um, I wish I had uh, teach teacher self-Italian uh, phrase book because I get better service in this bloody cafe that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare.
1: I've been waiting 40 <laughs> minutes for my panini. i have had to
2: wave my pink paper.
1: Now, I'm... Um, <laughs> Definitely not even a tip. Right? <laughs> no, oh no way. They're not getting any lira. <laughs> now,
2: Liverpool have been linked with the French under-21 left back Didier Baptiste from Monaco. Do you remember Didier Baptiste, Chris? I struggled. No, no, <laughs> he struggled. But Liverpool's club call line has repeated the rumour with the 3.5 valuation discussed. The story has appeared in the News of the World's football secrets, and it's been reported in the Times, the paper of record. Right? It's even been reported that Gerald Houllier, the Liverpool manager, as we all know would have to move quickly as Arsene Wenger's got his eye on the player. Only problem, Didier does not exist.
1: <laughs> it's a minor detail. We it's can work around it. it.
2: He was a character in Sky 1's waste drama Dream Team and played for Harchester United. <laughs> right. The whole thing stemmed from a line in his dialogue that indicated he would sign for an English club above a French manager. Whoa. And it made it into the papers wow. and onto Liverpool's 49pm minute 0898 club call. Oh, God, that's insane. And that concludes the Transfer Gossip. Before we move into Frank Skinner, we have a very special announcement now. We have a very exciting thing to announce that we don't want to hint at. But what we will say is that we will be announcing it on next week's podcast. Yeah. But if you want
1: to get the inside track on it and get it announced to you before join the mailing list on the website how do you do that go to quicklykevin.com and just sign up there put your email address in and you will get an email on friday 10 a.m on On friday Friday morning with some instructions and i guarantee you will never have felt more alive oh i've just realized what you've done (laughs) no (laughs) i didn't know what you
2: were doing (laughs) no it sounds like you had a breakdown
3: i I thought you were throwing to us (laughs) And we didn't know what you were throwing to us for. (laughs) But now now I'm with you. It makes perfect sense.
1: Well, if you've decrypted that, listener, get on quicklykevin.com. If you're not on the mailing list, sign up to our mailing list. You'll get an email at 10am on Friday. Otherwise,
2: wait till the episode next Monday. But you might be too late. Almost
1: certainly. Right. One of my idols growing up, Josh. I know he's one of yours too. He is... absolute idol. It's the reason I am a comedian. I mean, what more can you say than that? Mr. Frank Skinner. 90s football was to be personified by a single man. There's a very good case for saying that man shouldn't be a footballer, but our guest this week, a trailblazer who put football fandom on the map, Perrier award-winning comedian, West Brom fan, and with David Badil, co-host of Fantasy Football and co-lyricist of Free Lions, it's our pleasure to welcome
5: to Quickly Kevin, Frank Skinner. Now, you see, if this was live, I'd have suggested you then add a text in to who is it <laughs> <laughs> and see how many people got it. Oh, <laughs> um, <sighs> no, that was that was my uh, that's probably when I was in my pomp, as they say. Do you think? I think so. I was filming a um, a thing that David Badil wrote for Sky. Mm. So um, he asked me if I'd played me in yeah. it. This is about four or five years ago. So I, um, I lived quite near the studio. So I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll walk, you know, and get me a car. So I thought, well, as we're playing ourselves in the nineties, I, I wore the most nineties clothes I'd got left, including an yeah. old England shirt and stuff like that. And I walked in. I put my hair the way it used to be in the 90s. It's the most I've been recognised for about 20 <laughs> years. I was stopped about 15 times on the way to the studio. I was basically as at a fancy dress party as me <laughs> that when French I was. It's um, not changed a bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how they remember me. And there I was. Um, uh, we should start with West Brom <coughs> in the 90s. Now, yes.
2: West Brom, obviously, now a, a established Premier League team. When I was a kid in the 90s, I remember getting... I Sorry, get,
5: I'm just enjoying established. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say that without a hint
2: of irony. <laughs> when I, I, remember get, I used to get shoot every week, and they'd have um, posters on the back of all the big Premier League teams. Mm. And then I remember one week, it had West Brom, and I thought, why have they chosen this kind of... What I presumed was a kind of Bristol Rovers-level <laughs> tiny team. I didn't oh. realise...
5: Of course, we actually got relegated
2: against from Bristol Rovers. Br- Where's Brom? Ro- in Bath. Did you? At the Twerton, At Twerton Park. Park? yeah. So, in the 90s, Ron Atkinson left in 88 to go to Atletico Madrid. Well, I'd say the 21.
5: 90s is one of our worst decades. It is our worst decade. has to be. It's our yeah. lowest ever league position when we finished 7th in... Um, if you call the Premiership Division 1, yeah. in the 3rd Division, yeah. we finished 7th, which is... You know, that's really... Really low. And when we got promoted, we, we, won, we won a playoff final at Wembley against Port Vale. And um, we did an open-topped um, boss thing to celebrate getting promotion. And Jeff Astle, who was a big star in the 60s when they were a good team, yeah. said to me, let me get this right, they're uh, they've finished... <laughs> fourth in the third division <laughs> and they're going round West Bromwich in an open-top boss. <laughs> so, yes, things had changed a bit. It was a, it was a bleak, bleak yeah. period ha- for us. You had Bobby Gould for a while <clears throat> as manager. We and, did. I mean, and that,
1: he seemed to be the captain of the ship during the, the darkest time.
5: Just a hint of how unpopular Bobby Gould was is when he came back as, I think, a Sky Pondy, he was banned from the ground because Albion <laughs> said they couldn't guarantee his personal <laughs> safety. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> one of his first acts, he bought Paul Williams. Oh, right. Paul Williams was a lumpen centre forward who had do think ever scored for us and who never looked like he might. Yeah. I mean, he was perhaps one of our worst ever players. And the story was that he sent... I think it was Stuart Pearson then was the uh, assistant manager. He sent him to sign... Paul Williams. And the Paul Williams he was after was a, a, a quite a, a nippy left back. Oh, he played for Plymouth, that Paul Williams. Oh, OK. He was a good player. Yeah. And so the story goes, Bobby <laughs> Gould went into the dressing room, looked at Paul Williams and said, oh, the bloody hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, you've just signed me. And wow. if they got the wrong Paul Williams. He did that again for Wales. They get the wrong <laughs> names.
1: Is that right? Yeah, he's, he had reform in this area.
5: Well, it fitted in with a sort of a theme at the Albion. It's Alan Mullery told me he he went up for the um, manager's job mm. at West Brom at a time when Ronnie Allen was the other candidate. It was a, it was an ex West Brom player. And apparently, the chairman said to his assistant, go and tell Alan he's got the job. And he thought he meant Ronnie Allen, So he went and told him. And then after they said to Alan Murray, I'll be honest with you, it was supposed to be you, but we can't, we don't upset him now.
2: Wow, that's astonishing. And is it
5: <coughs> is it true, I hope this
1: is true, that, that West Brom fans pass around a coffin with R.A.P. Gould in, written on it? In, in
5: Shrewsbury? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was... That, the, that yeah, they, they, carried, they didn't just take it to the game, <laughs> they carried it around Shrewsbury. Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> what, like in a kind of... Like yes. a funeral procession?
5: Barcelona yeah. had the pig's head with yeah. <laughs> Pigo West Brom. It was, full it, coffin. It was pretty bleak. Wow. He also, he brought in the red and yellow stripe to wake it because he said... Um, He stumbled across a comic called Roy of the (laughs) Rovers, which you think he might have heard of as a professional (laughs) footballer, and saw the red and yellow and thought that that he might be a lucky omen, and it absolutely was not.
2: (laughs) And then you had Ozzy Ardiles. We did. He was very popular there, wasn't he?
5: He was. I mean, it was kind of it was an exciting time. But I went to an end of season dinner in October, as I used to say at the (laughs) (laughs) Alpine. No, and I remember him saying, you know, my policy is um, if they score three, we'll score four. And I thought, then we will never do anything (laughs) with you as manager. But we did win that playoff final. I remember that as a very happy day. That was in the days when if you was in a playoff, I don't know if it's still true, but you could take like 40,000 fans to Wembley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no one wanted to watch that. You know, this was the Division 2, was it called then, but the third Division playoff final, it wasn't, you know.
2: We um, when Plymouth we played Darlington in '96 actually, and we took thirty-five thousand. That's amazing. And they took seven. They hadn't made Darlington into a block, so they had seven spread over forty thousand seats.
5: Oh <laughs> God!
2: You just like just cordon off some area <laughs> with some netting.
5: I mean, our average gate then was a, was less than twenty thousand. We took forty thousand to Wembley, so I don't know where we found them all one of the chants that sticks in my memory from the uh, this would have been in the 90s we played at port vale and it started off in normal conditions and then suddenly out of the blue, there was a blizzard of snow. I mean, just blanketed the whole pitch. And I remember the Albion fans started going, Orange Ball, Orange Ball, <laughs> Orange Ball. And out it came. As if it, took, you know, by popular <laughs> <Summer>. demand. <laughs> oh, that was fab. So let's
1: go back to the, like the early 90s with England, <clears throat> before the stand up comedy and before the like, how What
5: was your relationship like to, to England then? Were you always a big fan? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember watching England win the World Cup, you know, on, on the telly in black and white back in um, Albury in the West Midlands. So, yeah, although I sort of thought of them as a London club, <laughs> I sort of thought of them like I, I thought of London Arsenal club. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, because it was all very London and, and yeah. living in, you know, it, it just felt a million miles away, really. Um I always remember on the front of the Birmingham Sports Argus, which was one of those pink newspapers you used to get on a Saturday evening Mm. with the results in, I don't know if you remember these. Some places would call it the Sporting Pink and stuff like that. And it would have match reports very much focusing on the first half. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I remember they had the Birmingham Sports Argus, when England won the World Cup, had got Bobby Moore on the front holding up the World Cup. And... um, he was wearing uh, black shorts and a white shirt, which yeah. they hadn't played with in the World Cup final. <laughs> no. They played in red, yeah. you may recall. Yeah. And they'd obviously got this picture lined up because they were on a tight deadline <laughs> at a small target. So it is the only picture I've ever seen of Bobby Moore in the home kit, you could say, old on. So,
2: how are they, where had they got it from?
5: I think they'd um, mocked it up. They'd mocked it up, yeah. I don't know how they did it in those. They probably just stuck on a little picture of the World Cup.
2: Yeah. And then West Brom, so Jeff Astle was played in the 1970 World Cup. Yes. Was he about the only England West Brom player in those
5: times? Oh, God, yes. He used to say that he he had very little groupie experience, he told me, as a professional footballer. He said, but a woman did um, once thrust his hand down her skirt. Yeah and said, have you ever felt one of these before? And he said, yes, when I missed that goal against Brazil in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he, had, he got five caps yeah. for England. So
2: he, got, he only got five caps, but he played in the World Cup.
5: He played in the World Cup. I've got one of his shirts. He gave me one of those perforated, you know, those sort of teabag shirts they played in Mexico. Yeah. 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 Wow. With the little aeration. You can see
1: flesh through them.
5: Yeah. Weird. And he gave me one he'd played in. there's some friendly game. I don't know if you remember, but in the seventy World Cup, he got. Um, he said it was travel sickness on an internal flight, but it looked a lot like drunkenness. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd sort of been carried off the uh, oh, really? plane, overshadowed
2: by the Bobby Moore bracelet incident. <laughs> I imagine.
5: Yes. Well, I went to see Bobby Moore. Um, Albion played Fulham at the Hawthorns and Bobby Moore played for Fulham. Mm. And I remember my dad, in the half day when they were down at our end, he spent the entire half shouting, You had that bracelet, Moore! <laughs> <laughs> Come on! <laughs> hey, you, What do you own up? And my dad went to his grave, believing that Bobby Moore had, had nicked that. <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely convinced. He had no evidence, other than he'd said, If you were captain of England... And someone said, you know, you would take him to the highest court in the land to prove you're innocent, which he never did. Yeah. I thinks he didn't want to drop Bobby Charlton Italian eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 Italia 90. Do
4: you,
5: <clears throat> what do you remember of that tournament? Um, Pavarotti, I think, mainly. Um, <laughs> do, you, but do you buy into this theory that Gaza crying completely changed? football I, I, and the I, people who weren't interested in football got it you know it made it a middle class thing and the embouchement I think it's I think
2: it's a symbol of that I think that had already begun at that tournament because I I was saying this the other day that I, that night when England played West Germany mm. so I was I was seven but I, I didn't get to watch it because I went we were on a family trip to watch the Rolling Stones at Wembley <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, very nice. So,
5: um, what happened to the Rolling Stones that they have become <laughs> the subject of a family trip?
2: <laughs> that was when they lost their edge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I remember, you know, by that point, that felt like we were missing this big event before the England-West Germany game. Before Gazza had cried, it felt like a national
5: event. So think... you were seven then. Yeah. See, I was doing a gig the night of the semi-final. Where oh, were you? And they or had did the you tell- with They it? had the telly behind the bar. Mm. There's a guy called um, Roger Mann who was yeah. on stage and um, we watched The Penalty Shooter. So he was doing comedy and at the back of the room people were going, ah! Oh, <laughs> <no." laughs> so it was a, a tough gig yeah. for him.
2: But do you, do you buy into Italian 90 changing everything?
5: Well, I mean, back to 66, Bobby Charlton cried in 66. Did he? I don't remember. Yeah, that. he absolutely sobbed when they won the World Cup. That didn't... There's no, no Embouché was more in 1966.
1: <laughs> it must have been the comb over I think when you when you see a man with a comb over crying you just think Well
5: but Bobby Charlton's comb over when he played and i saw him I saw him play many times live it would it wouldn't stay combed over it would extend I mean it would come out to its full length. <laughs> and I think you know the theory that a cat uses its whiskers to judge whether it can get through a gap <laughs> or not. I think this is how his mazy dribbling was done, that he he could absolutely calculate whether he had space to get between two
2: defenders.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, there
2: is an argument that fantasy football and fever pitch, Ah, uh, are as well as Gaza Crying, are kind of the other things that would be... Kind of labelled with changing football in yes, that way. Yes, I think Wouldn't that. You
5: buy into that? I, I, um, I've heard that said. Obviously, I find that slightly gut wrenching <laughs> because I, I wish, in a way, it was still um, brothel and meat pies yeah. and people smoking woodbines. Yeah. Um, was it Frank MacAvaney who called it working class theatre or something? Yeah. I once got condemned for saying. Um, one thing I liked about football hooliganism was it kept the middle classes away. From <laughs> oh the cry, my god. Which is a, a, perhaps a foolish thing for me to say. But they weren't so they weren't around in the eighties when yeah. hooliganism was at its
2: um grimmest. So moving on to fantasy football. I think the the thing that appealed to me most was how it, it didn't dumb down the football content. It it was you know, it kind of reveled in its <laughs> nicheness. I don't know who said it to me, but um someone said to me that you and David had jokes which you described as your no-surrender jokes mm. that you would fight to keep in the show. Well, we
5: felt that no-surrender was the general policy on the football references, which worried me because no-surrender was very much a Protestant um, <laughs> <laughs> slogan at the time. But um, that was what we decided to do, that it, it wasn't supposed to be an explanation. It wasn't a dummy's guide to football. Yeah. And we just thought, well, there's plenty of football fans, so we'll, it'll be apparent that there's a door policy, but we're not going to have a sign, you know. It'll just become apparent yeah, when you don't yeah. get off the things we're saying, that it's not for you. And then I met lots of people who said to me, I don't know I'm really interest in football, but I really like your show. I don't always know what you're talking about. And that, we, I didn't see that coming. Were there any kind of jokes where even you and David were like, I
2: think that's too niche.
5: The only joke I remember us having a big debate about was um, we wanted to do an audience vote. We'd just been knocked out of the World Cup, and we wanted to have a vote. Um, which would, if you had the choice, which would you rather have: um, England back in the World Cup or Princess Diana alive? I <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think the producer was edgy. <laughs> About it. But I, my, my, I remember defending that by saying, but we're not saying anything, it's a question. Yeah. And if you're right that it is outrageous, then obviously, you know, Princess Diana will win hands down. So that's all well and good. What do you think the result would have been? Oh, um, <laughs> I know what I would have voted <laughs> Queen of Hearts, mate. <laughs> uh, um, so, it's a bit embarrassing because, um, Sol Campbell was celebrating the fact that she'd come back to life, and then, <laughs> and then, and then she hadn't.
1: <laughs> um, so Back when fantasy football first started, obviously there hadn't been anything like that before. There'd never been really a kind of a show about fans and football fandom.
5: No, I mean, football comedy, I think, to be fair, in my eye, apart from it there used to be those cartoonists in the press who did those funny drawings and stuff, I think Saint and Greaves, who probably began yeah. mm. football comedy. Yeah. But, of course, they, they were ex-pros, so there was a lot of ex-pro jokes, yeah. like... Well, you wouldn't have caught that one anyway, would Jana, <laughs> and all that yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, we were sort of off the back of those photocopied fanzine yeah. things that was around. Was it was
2: standing room only. Do you remember standing room only, which was? A kind yeah, of- I
5: remember that show. Um, I can't remember. I think that had happened before us. In fact, I think yeah. Dave might have guessed it on it. Yeah. And there was when Saturday comes, which was a magazine, magazine. which was uh, for fans. So I. I yeah, it was. It, we were part of the zeitgeist, as they say.
2: And how did it? Because was it originally a radio show, and then it came to TV?
5: Yeah, it was on um, Radio Five as it was then. Mm. Um, it was presented by Ross King. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. But there was. It wasn't a comedy show. It was. Um, it was a, all about playing the game fantasy oh, football. Right. So lots of stuff about. You know, I bought um, Matt Letitia this week and yeah. and all that.
2: Because that kind of disappeared. Yeah, you almost swift. forget.
5: Yeah, we got fed up. Of
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> you forget there's a game at the heart of this
2: Now, whole. there
5: was a game. In the end, we didn't even have to game. We just got <laughs> yeah. people on. But in the beginning, yeah, we had a proper auction and we had managers with, you know, their own team names.
2: Oh, and did people take it seriously?
5: Um, I think some people took it. I mean, it seems incredible now. Like Peter Cook was one of them. <laughs> Uh, early managers <laughs> and we'd come on and talk about Le Grand Eric because he'd bought he'd use all his money to buy Cantonar at the uh, at the auction what
2: was Peter Cook like he must have been amazing to have on the show
5: yeah, well we knew him a bit because mm. he lived um, in Hampstead where me and Dave lived so we used to um, see him about and we, we'd been out with him a yeah. few times he was c- quite drunk most of the time yeah and he had white hair with a yellow quiff because he smokes all the time. The smoke went through, oh, wow. went through the roof of his hair and, <laughs> yeah, and wow. yellowed it. So that looked fairly incredible. I mean, he wasn't that interested in football. I was, yeah, was going to say, I thought, was there but, any other weird kind of
2: managers earlier?
5: Well, we it? had Lennox Lewis. Did you? Who, again, I think knew nothing about football. Was very Canadian in those yeah. days. And Lennox Lewis clearly knew nothing about yeah. He was West Ham was his team. Yeah. I remember a bit you said, you know, um even if I'm like sitting on a beach somewhere or I'm in a gym, I'm forever a blowing bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> it was the least convincing. <laughs> and the one thing that the audience couldn't cope with on there was if somebody didn't feel like the real Really. Deal. It was um they were very, very unforgiving on I, that front. I
2: remember Prince Nazim coming on and saying that he oh, supported both Sheffield sure. Wednesday <laughs> and United. Yes.
5: He also said that the Sultan of, of Brunei had give him given him a wristwatch which was embezzled with diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> and Neither of us corrected him. Yeah, I bet
1: you didn't. <laughs> <clears throat> it was a really partisan crowd, wasn't it? Fantasy football.
5: Like... Can I can say he got up. He got upset. I remember because he'd bought Trevor Francis his house, right. and I said it must be very draughty because he, Trevor Francis has had a head cold for twenty five years. I said, oh, he talks like. And he got very defensive about <laughs> Trevor Francis's house <laughs> and how nice it was. <laughs> and then he had his team was um, Ian Wright and Danny Dickio up front. And I said, right, so you've got Wright uh, Dicchio. And uh, the audience laughed, and he didn't get it, and he got upset about. it, it was really oh, quite you menacing. True that you're buying Trevor Francis's house. No, uh, that
2: is a bit personal and private, but I've already bought it. <laughs> Have so it? <laughs> Let's not get too sulky now because we might have to do some slapping around here. Oh yeah. my
5: god. I actually quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean yeah. you mean five well, g- I, can't, oh, sorry. I can't do any punching with this hand unless you want a nice clean left hook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we don't get but we like Trevor It's just yes. I do like people taking the mick. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> we know You're... you two, we know you are too known for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> You're quite hard, aren't you? <laughs> We'll leave it there. Yeah. Was it scary that kind of situation?
5: Well, I mean, he's he's a small boxer, but he'd still do quite a bit of damage. (laughs) I I remember saying to the director um, because the floor manager came on for something, and I said, "Look, if he hits us, keep filming. That's all I'm saying." (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get get beaten up by Prince Nazim and not have it on camera. (laughs) (laughs) On on
2: that topic, I suppose the most famous guests that went wrong was John Lydon he was one of them and we had a few Bridget Nielsen (laughs) Bridget
5: Nielsen was quite bad yeah yeah because John Lydon got taken off in the break John Lydon had turned up and I was an enormous fan of the pistols and I spoke to him about seeing them live at Bogarts in Birmingham and stuff like that and he was lovely yeah, and then as soon as he got on air, he switched on his. Oh, his, really. So Leiden became rotten. Yeah, and then he was just shouting stuff about Arsenal, and he became so disruptive and horrible. Yeah. Dave, I remember there was a bit. This is live. Now. Yeah. So Dave said to me at one point, "Aren't you going to go into the blah blah clip?" Because it, that was the, I had to introduce this clip, and I said, shall we just go to the uh, interval so we can get rid of Johnny?" This was on air. <laughs> We had this discussion, and then we did exactly that.
2: Wow. So what was it like in the interval? Did he go... Was he happy just to leave? No, I
5: think he physically wrestled with the, one of the female producers. Oh, so. God. Yeah. And she had, like, all like, finger marks on her arms and oh stuff. It was God. it was all quite heavy-duty. <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> I don't part, know why we're um, laughing, but... Yeah. yeah, then we're back saying, so! I mean, I don't <laughs> be-
2: <laughs> and Bridget
5: Nielsen, she was just uncontrollable. Yeah, she started she spoke quite a lot in Danish at one point, I remember <laughs> And she also thrust um, um, David Bade's hand down her bra. Yeah. And he said, not since I missed that goal against Brazil <laughs> <Prattel> in 1970. <1970." laughs> I think it was the right one. <laughs> um, I mean, again, she knew nothing about football. I think she knew um, Walter Zenger. Um and she kept saying, I was sent to Valdezenga, and we were going, we thought it was some Brazilian Valdezenga or something like that, and we couldn't get through the pronunciation. And I remember somebody stood behind the camera with a big handwritten sign that said, Walter Zenga, <laughs> to help us out. <laughs> oh, dear, it was, it was nightmares. That's a strange booking. Brigitte. There was lots of, you know, there aren't that many proper, maybe there are more now, but at the time, there weren't that many proper football fan celebrities, yeah. so you had to stretch it.
2: A yeah.
5: bit. Danny Baker was a good guest. Danny Baker nearly died on that show. Did he? He, um, he in- inhaled a jelly deal, <laughs> which I thought would have been one of the most apt deaths <laughs> you could have. After he years, years of being you know, old lander,
0: <laughs> di-
5: yeah, he, we got him some jelly deals in, and he had he had one, and then he went in like you never see on telly—a proper choking fit. And I don't know about you, but if I watch someone have a choking fit, I I think less of them. After <laughs> it. I do. They're never quite the same person. It's very emasculating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the whole thing—it's a humiliation. Yeah. When people do it, I think, "Oh, just stop!" <laughs> <laughs> just die with Did everyone t-
2: just kind of freeze and Danny Baker's choking and no one's doing it on the floor? Well, I was—I'll
5: be completely honest. There was part of me thinking. This will be front page in every paper <laughs> if Danny Baker dies. And I love Danny Baker, yeah, he's great, but yeah. I would have sacrificed him and his amazing broadcasting for those front pages. Um, well, Phoenix from the Flames. What an item. I, I binge watched the
1: clips. So many interesting ones you did. Jerry Francis, Green Cross Crowd. Like, when you see ex footballers acting, mm. like some, some amazing performances. Well, some are better than others. Um, Alan Hansen it was like he's, he, he's an Oscar-winning actor. When you watch it, he really stands out I've
2: for being a great the, actor.
1: I can't remember the handsome one.
5: Jeff Astor was great. I yeah. mean, that's why we got him on got the him show on? regularly because he just he was a natural. But some of them are really, really struggled. <laughs> I remember when we had um, Kempes Mario Kempes, oh, the wow. Argentine. Okay. We had him on. We, we wanted him to dress up as Super Mario. Yeah, you know with a big moustache and everything yeah. <laughs> and he was saying this is just shit <laughs> and he was really like you know we thought he wouldn't do it and we always managed to charm them yeah. into doing things that they really didn't want to do.
1: A lot of them
2: are foreign footballers
5: that are not no. going to know yeah. what they've signed
2: up to.
1: And it looks like, when you're doing it, the foreign footballers are like, what is going on here?
5: You can yeah. see it yeah. on their face. Well, Roger Miller, we had dressed as Peter, Ber- Peter Purvis, <laughs> doing, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, with the dogs. doing the power <laughs> adverts. <laughs> then we had the real Peter Purvis. Oh, really? Peter you... Purvis, when we were doing that, we had a kick around. And he did one of the most strong-out falling overs I've ever seen. <laughs> he tripped while he was kicking and he, he tried to stay... He was at an angle. I mean, he, his face, honestly, was 18 inches from the ground and he was still running forward and, not, and still fighting it. He was like... Def- Peter Purvis openly defies gravity. I mean, he went down in the end, but it was really amazing. Yeah. Stubborn refusal... <laughs> To fall over were they footballers
2: because they're obviously getting them to play football are they were they all amazing at football when you got the football out
5: well when once you started having a kick around with them yeah um then it does start you know obviously there's, a lot of them hadn't kicked it for ages yeah. i remember charlie george did a thing he just did a thing when he flicked it up a bit and then pushed it away with the outside of his foot and he said uh you never lose it <laughs> And there was there was a sense of that. We we yeah. we did um Alain Juresse, the yeah. French player, and I had to pass a ball to him and then he had to run on and score. So I hit the ball like you know, ten feet ahead of him, and he just let it roll on. Yeah. And he said of football d'Anglais.
1: He wanted it
2: to his two feet.
5: Even in Phoenix from the plane.
2: So are you sending these people the scripts and they're looking them over? Well, that's
5: what the producer told us, but they always oh, claimed that they hadn't seen. I think he thought if they saw him in advance, they'd never agree yeah. to do it. I mean, the only person I think we probably upset was Peter Beardsley. I oh, really. Um, we did one with someone else in which I played Peter Beardsley as a, I mean, full-on Quasimodo. <laughs> oh, and uh, I think he still did the thing. Yeah, he he still did the Phoenix. He'd yeah. already done the Phoenix, I think, but he was going to come on to the show when the Phoenix was shown. And when he saw my Quasimodo, he said he decided oh. against him. And he did it in a very sweet piece. But you know, I wish him well. But I I, well. I, I'm not coming on. No, going. I've got I've got young kids, you know, <laughs> whatever that meant.
1: <laughs> um, did Klinsman refuse as well? Is there? I heard that rumour.
5: Um, we must have. I, we're I mean, doing lots diving. of lots of people refused understandably it was harder to get current I mean current players when someone is now selling ice cream off a push bike they're more likely to turn off <laughs> than if they're in the back of a limousine with two women you know um, you had a few current managers on there Ronald Kuman.
1: You tried to dress, dress him up like the Milky Bar kids.
5: Yeah, he was. He started off quite anti Ronald Koeman, and yeah. then he he won. I think once we talked to him about football, especially like Ronald Koeman, you didn't have to lie to tell him what a brilliant player he yeah. was. You know, I remember we asked him we wanted, so we wanted to put a cowboy hat on it, and he said, "I am not a gasser." What's his thing? <laughs> But he um, came round the end as well. But obviously we were asking them to do lots of things. that were in jokes. It was the no surrender policy. They didn't know what they were doing very often. There was a bit where we had um, Teofilio Kubilas, yeah, the um, Peruvian star. Yeah. And I remember that uh, Leslie Jodd who was a presenter on Blue Peter, uh, they'd had a feature with the Scotland team, and she said, I think Scotland are going to win the w- World Cup, or I think Scotland, you know, are a very good team, or something like that. And it cut to him laughing about this. And then, um, I think, was it was it um, Archie Gemmell who got a brilliant sort of, goal? Sort of, so yeah. Anyway, there was some turnaround on it. And we went back to Filio and he went, Ah, oh, Leslie Jard has left us with egg on our face. <laughs> And it was me and Dave completely <laughs> collapsed. I mean, it was more, it had a mournful thing. He didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know who Leslie Jordan was. He hadn't even shown him the clip. He just trusted us. And it was Cooby last as well, this big star.
2: Um, uh, obviously, the other, the third star of Fantasy Foot was Stato. Mm. Where did he come from? Where did you
5: well the original plan was the bloke who owned the rights to the game fantasy football I think he was going to be on the show and we couldn't really say no (laughs) because he owned the rights to the game we thought the game at that point was integral so we decided to have him on but playing a part of a statistician a sort of actor and we did a couple of um, dry runs as they say with it and he didn't he wasn't comfortable and it didn't work and we were thinking, well, we need someone who plays the part of a statistician. Mm. And then somebody said to me, there's a bloke that does the half-time commentary at Arsenal. And at Arsenal, they used, they used to have a sort of highlights of the first half package. Right. And he said, I know the bloke who does the commentary on that highlights package. And he, he's not an actor, but he is the person you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that he is a very strange, completely obsessed yeah. football statistician bloke called angus lachran so we got him on and and we just we put him on that night you know we didn't as soon as we met him and talked to him for five minutes we thought well this is the bloke yeah so um there was no acting required he was um
2: and did he kind of embrace it did he love being that like did he get what was
5: i think he i never knew i kind of know the answer whether he got it or not I mean, we were unkind to him. At yeah. times.
1: He was dressed in a dressing gown.
5: For yeah, that. always in a dressing gown and pajamas. <laughs> I can't remember why. But um, there's a common trope with comedians, and I don't know if this applies to you, uh, Josh, but people often say, well, I was bullied at school. Yeah. And in order to defend it, I became, you know, I used to do mm. jokes, and that's why I became a comedian. Well, I was a bully at school. And. I found that was much better practice for being a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> it was much less of a, a, a more obvious ramp, you know what I mean, <laughs> to becoming a stand-up comedian. So we basically, I'm um, ashamed to say, we, I think we did bully him a bit.
1: Um, shall we talk about Euro 96, the summer <coughs> of 96, three lions, and number one. I mean, where do we start with that? I thought we could start with um, the Scotland game. That's oh, yes. that's when it really kind of it really kind of kicked off. And you got in trouble just before the match because you said you were going to write Scotland's next World oh, Cup yes. song. Do you yes, remember the name? Was,
5: yes, it was called uh, Three Games. Of <laughs> <laughs> course, it seems less funny now as, as an England fan. I, I seem to remember the last World Cup we were out after two games. Yeah we?
2: yeah, we were. Yeah.
5: So we've uh, we've opted that that game. Yeah, at the end of that game, which we didn't know anything about. They'd played this. The song was number one. Yeah. But England songs always went to number one, the yeah. official ones. And, um, They'd played it before, This was it Switzerland, the first game yeah, in 96? Yeah. And, you know, it's all right, but people didn't sing along or anything. And then after we beat Scotland, which was a sort of remarkable, we'd lost and then Gaza gets a wonder goal. They miss a penalty, aided by Yuri Geller, <laughs> <laughs> who made the ball move from a helicopter above and all that. Did
2: you have Yuri Geller on? Fences? Oh, yeah, we had,
5: we had Yuri Geller. David Badil was absolutely and utterly convinced that Uri Geller had magical powers. No. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Because we met him, and he said, so nice to meet you. He said, do you have keys? Do you have, do you have keys? House keys? Or so? so Dave got his keys out, and he just went doi and it just bent straight away, this key. Yeah. I mean, to the point where Dave couldn't get in his house that <laughs> night. <laughs> Which is something that he never thought ahead with. Um, <laughs> So is he still of that belief? No, I don't think so. Remember, Dave was a man who bought a thing called the mains cleaner, right. which was an adapter plug which cleaned your electricity between <laughs> the main source and, and the plug. I remember sitting with Dave and I had a box so he couldn't see whether I had the mains cleaner plugged in or not. And I was playing CDs and he had to guess from the quality of sound <laughs> whether the electricity had passed through the mains cleaner or not.
2: Sorry, I don't, so England with Scotland afterwards, yes. they play the song.
5: So at the end of the game, which they never play music at the end of it, or they didn't then hmm. at the end of a game, that just didn't happen. I remember when we was, uh, we played um, Dynamo Bucharest yeah. in uh, the Cop Winners' Cup at West Brom. And they hadn't got the Romanian National Anthem. So when they lined up these blokes, they played um, Midnight in Moscow by Kenny Ball and his jazz band. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it had an East European reference. And these guys, they were ready with their hands on their hearts, and they were all looking around. <laughs> And I don't know if you know it, but it's uh, it's a quite a sort of a jaunty <laughs> tune, not very national anthem at all. Anyway, this bloke did have the foresight to uh, play it at the end of the game as as shirts will be an exchange, and I think because the crowd was so euphoric that we'd won, they started singing along with it, and that was the moment when it when it went really? mega, definitely, yeah. And-
2: Presumably you got tickets to all the England games.
5: Yes, yeah, we got those um, automatic for having done the, uh, the official thing. I remember my girlfriend at the time, who was half German, punched Frank Bruno quite hard in the <laughs> ear, <laughs> accidentally while celebrating a goal. But, oh. I mean, he looked like... So, sort of a bit of flash of anger went across his <laughs> eyes, and I thought, if Frank Bruno physically attacked your girlfriend what would be the moral um rule on that would you have to try and defend her <laughs> <would suppose>, yeah. <laughs> or would you just write that off <laughs> <laughs> it's gone too far Are you? were
2: you in some kind of kind of celebrity section yeah
5: there? but it i was in sort of um the royal box i suppose oh, really? and the cameras would be trained on you like, as the tournament progressed
1: it was
2: <clears> yeah, nation well, was looking to you when to they see did the song
5: we used to this sort of you know punch in the air dance and yeah and they used to
2: I bet you couldn't believe it was happening
5: could you? well we used to go to the players lounge after oh, really and the players were into it weren't they they the pl- were loving the song yeah well um gaza used to insist that the song was played on the coach from the hotel to the oh, ground wow. and one night the driver forgot it and gaza wouldn't come off the coach <laughs> one might suggest there's an element of ocd about this <laughs> in, in as much as music loving but they had to go back to the hotel Get the tape, bring oh, it, wow. and play it to him on the stationary coach in Wembley before he would get off.
2: I, I was hoping that it was, the story was going to end with, and you were there, and you had to sing him the song to get him.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was But we used to get to the players' lounge, and that, you know they'd all be in their plastic flip flops and stuff.
2: And because you filmed the uh, video with them,
5: well, yeah, two videos, obviously, because we uh, oh, yeah. we re- reworked the song in '98. Yeah. We that went ended, along so. to the. Uh, to the training ground Mm. and um, played on the song, which was stressful.
2: Yeah, I bet.
5: And we didn't play it live. We just, you know, we had it on (laughs) air. That would have been nightmarish. (laughs) But they were having their lunch, and we just put it on this... We had a cassette player. Yeah. And and you know what? Footballers are so unimpressed by everything. They said, right, does anyone want to be in the video? Now, you'd think most people would be quite keen. And I remember Alan Shearer saying, oh, can't we just sign some more footballs? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> depressing. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, I thought you'd want to. So we had, like, Steve Stone was in. <laughs> Steve Stone. Steve Stone, allegedly very nice guy. He was a very nice guy, yeah. Um, but he wasn't a player we'd dreamt off of for the video. be <laughs> straight with you. Our two, Teddy Sheringham was in it. Teddy Sheringham recreated Bobby Charlton's goal against Mexico in 66. Mm. I don't know if you guys play... Football with professional footballers ever, but the most basic. When someone says, "What's it like playing with these guys?" the most basic thing, which you wouldn't think of, is they're really good at kicking the ball. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I mean that in a really artistic sense. Yeah. If you blindfolded someone and we all kicked the ball, and then a professional footballer kicked the ball, you'd be able to hear the contact. So I'm in goal, and Teddy Sheringham is going to do this Bobby Charlton. Suddenly I hear what honestly sounds like gunfire from behind (laughs) me. I don't know what's happened. He's kicked the ball. It's hit the crossbar behind me. I hadn't seen it in the air at all. I did not see even a blur in the air. I just see there's a slight movement around his lower hip region, and then there's a crack of thing... If it had hit me on the rebound, it would have probably knocked me over. (laughs) And you sort of forget that that is what they're brilliant at, is kicking the ball really, really well.
2: (laughs) So, and then it gets to England losing to Germany. Mm. Do you look back fondly or with a kind of sadness that...?
5: No, no, I don't look back on it fondly at all. I still think that that Gareth Southgate should not be allowed to manage England. (laughs) I think it's too big... Someone who's done that much damage, <laughs> I, I think it seems ridiculous that he should then get the job. Like when those guys did the, the pizza advert, I was really, really upset. I've since seen the footage of me and Dave standing oh, after really? that game. And we just look so profoundly upset. I mean like we're going to cry, it's awful.
2: What did you do afterwards?
5: Well, I remember walking downstairs from the box and a bloke said to me, Oh, Frank, where'd you get your clips from for fantasy football? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> and my girlfriend said, I don't think he wants to talk at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I, I, I am not like that now with England. No, no. When we lost the, that, with the Frank Lampard over the line uh, 4-1, thing, yeah. and I remember watching that game, and when we went four-one down, I leaned across to Dave and said, "Cheer up!" I just remember I got some soft mints in the van. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't,
5: I couldn't have done that in '96. But they have basically they have turned me into an insensitive. Do you think
2: you could ever, if we got? If we went on a run like Euro 96 again, do you think you could ever reignite that feeling?
5: I'd like to think so. I was talking to uh, Gary Lineker about this, and I said, you know, I just don't feel... I went to the South African World Cup, and when I checked out of the hotel, I left two England scarves and two England shirts just in the bathroom. I didn't even want to take really? them home. God. Wow. Wow. Uh, And he said, "Ah, no, but if we had a good tournament, you know, you'd change. You'd be straight back in there. So I don't know if that's true or not.
1: How would you feel about Southgate lifting the World (laughs) Cup? Oh, I mean, that would be just... (laughs) You can't even imagine it, can you? It just
2: Uh, feels like we've given up. I think it's that thing of you just get disappointed so many times, but then you would have had
5: that in the 70s That hasn't happened with the Albion, though. (laughs) I'll tell you what, the 90s was... Like I was saying, we were unbelievably bad, West Brom, in the 90s. I never left any West Brom shirts. The other, hotel.
4: The oh, I didn't theory. tell you,
5: by the way, oh, yeah. something that happened in the nineties, which I don't. It's not often spoken of, but we um, there'd been trouble in a game between Albion and Wolverhampton Wanderers, mm. and we had a, a chairman at the time called Trevor Somers, who was a eccentric character, Trevor the Shed, he was known as, because <laughs> he'd made his money from um, from the shed. Business. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, <laughs> Willie, much
2: money
5: in the shed. Incidentally, Willie Johnson, who used to play for Albion, if you remember, he got sent home from the '78 World drugs. Cup for drugs thing. He once sold a shed whilst taking a corner. Sold <laughs> it to a bloke on the terraces at the <laughs> Albion. How did that conversation <laughs> was still, The bloke said, "Willie, is it right you're selling your shed?" And he said, "Yeah." <laughs> he said, "I'll give you a bloke." And he said, "All right." Where'd you? And then sorted that out and took the corner. <laughs> so anyway we had trouble at an albion wolves game which was absolutely the norm because they even now they are horrible games atmosphere wise not that we play them now because they're in the lower division (laughs) (laughs) but um we were playing at molyneux and the albion allocation had sold out in like two minutes so they had a, a screening do you remember they used to do this
0: is this we before your this time? Yeah, have been
5: back. So they'd have the big screen there, and people would pay to go into the yeah. ground to watch an away game or something on yeah. a big screen. Well, they did that at the Albion for an Albion-Wolves game, which was a mistake, because the, the way the screen is at one end of the ground, there's no real segregation. So yeah. there was trouble, because there was Wolves and Albion fans, and there was quite a lot of trouble there. And Trevor Summers said it was an absolute disgrace what has happened, and he honestly said... He said, if we have any more um, big screen games at the ground, it'll be behind closed
4: doors.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, um, then you re-released Three Lines in 1998.
5: Yes, including a reference to Gaza. Yes. Which is a, a, a grand tradition in English football. If you remember... When you buy stickers like panini stickers, or we used to get the S.O. World Cup cards yeah. from the garage, there's always people who don't make the squad yeah. who are on those things because oh, yeah, they're having to guess. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we we mentioned him in the song, but um, Glenn, Hoddle, Glenn Hoddle didn't take him. I read into this. It's
2: one of the. There's only three songs that have ever topped the charts twice uh, with uh, different versions.
5: Oh, okay.
2: So they're um, three lines. Yeah. Band Aid okay. and Mambo number five.
5: There's been two versions been of two Mambo versions number of 5. Mambo, Mambo what five? was the other one? Uh, Mambo uh, number four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lou Baker. Oh, hold on. Uh, Neil Morrissey yeah. and Bob the Builder. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Good bit of trivia, that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Very good. Do you
2: remember what the official song was for France 98?
5: Was it um, Anton? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was. Um, the guy from Teardrop Explodes, was It, it? was Echo and the Bun- so it's
2: Echo and the Bunnyman. yeah, that's it, right. England United, which was Echo and the Bunnyman. Was he
5: called... M- M- Ian McCullough. C- Ian McCullough, yeah.
2: But it was Echo and the Bunnyman and the Spice Girls. Yes. So there was that Vindaloo, and uh, you, you got involved in a chart battle.
5: Yes, well, Vindaloo... We were miffed about Vindaloo because it was already... You know, the the, the tune already existed. yeah. And it was already a terrorist song. Yeah. So we thought that was really fast-tracking. <laughs> so we were very keen. And also, uh, I think Keith Allen is Welsh.
2: Yeah, he is, yeah.
5: So um, we we got to number one, obviously. I remember we sang number two <laughs> number two on the uh, show. And then we said, uh, as a knock on the door, oh, it's Keith Allen. It was Jeff Astle dressed in traditional Welsh female (laughs) costume. (laughs) You know, with a big black hat with a white thing that ties and all that. (laughs) But um, it was actually a pretty good song, Vindaloo, looking back, as a a sort of sing-along song. Uh, Because the first time we did it, I think we knocked the Fugees off number one. That's right, yeah. Oh, really? Um, Is it Wyclef Jean who was in... uh, Yes, that's right, yeah, Wyclef. yeah, yeah. Lived in Dover. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he tried to get off with my girlfriend. And, and, yeah. And I always thought I was quite pleased that I'd got my own back by knocking the futures <laughs> of number one.
3: It's the, <laughs> same, the revenge.
5: same girlfriend that. No, no, oh, this, a, a different, a different, no. A different girl. In the 90s, like I say, I was more popular.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so back on Fantasy Football, like, obviously, did that wrong with ITV and it's off our screens now. But, like, it feels like people want people want it, would it? Do you think it's, it's done? Do you think it'd ever come back?
5: Well, I think there are several problems. We were asked to bring it back about... Um, it was the 20th anniversary or something, yeah. and um, the boss of the BBC phoned us up individually and said we want to bring it back. But we didn't... Uh, I didn't fancy it, certainly. I just thought... I think we've been superseded. I think one of the things was, here's a funny football clip you won't be able to see anywhere else. And that is not true, no, because there's 10 million on the internet.
2: Because a lot of the clips weren't like funny in their own right, but they were, you know, set up and the clips, the punchline. Like Were you watching football just looking for stuff, unable to enjoy it because you're looking for these? Um,
5: No, I never got to that point but i mean that was we, we had a guy called andy jacobs who was yeah. the um producer who's now on um talk sport yeah and he used to spend hours and hours but we also had people like we had someone in france watching french football for bits and yeah. someone in germany doing it and and stuff like that so we were part of another worldwide network of people looking for things like A bloke walking into a door in the background (laughs) while an important piece of football was happening up front so there was there was lots of of that i just think now i don't know if i am as entrenched i was watching um neymar on the telly Mm. this week and i remember the only thing i could think was i'd really like to kiss his eyes I, he's a very beautiful man. Yeah. I'd like to kiss tears off, off his <laughs> eyelashes. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's going to work on fantasy football. <laughs> a lot of fat vlogs with <laughs> nylon shirts on. It's just going to go quiet, isn't it? <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Frank, thanks so much for doing this. Well, it's been, um, it's been a, a pleasure. I I usually hate talking about um, the 90s. <laughs> Uh what? but um it's been it's been a lark. As a, as
2: a thank you I've got your small gift.
5: Oh, marvellous. Um, uh, it's a, a Jeff Astle, That's Jeff 1970 S.O. World Cup kind. Uh, that is brilliant. That's fantastic, thank you. I shall um, genuinely treasure that. I don't even have to pretend to like it.
2: (laughs) There was a lot of worry that you were going to have to plaster a smile.
5: No, no, I've slightly undermined it by saying I've got one of his World Cup shirts. (laughs)
2: Yeah, my heart did sink a bit then. That's great. You can put it in the pocket.
5: Thank you. It's a long time since I've been paid for a gig with one coin. (laughs)
2: Um, one, one last question.
1: Yeah, one last question. If you, if we offered you the chance to go back to the first of January, nineteen
5: ninety, and do it all over again, would you? Um, definitely. But I'd leave early <laughs> for the Germany semi-final
4: to
5: <laughs> beat the traffic. <laughs> exactly. See, at West Brom, we we stay to the end to beat the traffic.
2: <laughs> Folks, thank you
5: very much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Well, that was Frank Skinner, Josh. As
2: I say, the reason I got into comedy. Love me. Love him. Um, Thank you to Frank for doing that. That was genuinely a a brilliant, brilliant interview. We enjoyed that so much. Before we move on, we should just promote the big announcement one more time. Sign up to the mailing list if you want to know what is happening. We will tell you 10am on Friday morning. It will be announced on the podcast the following Monday. But that might be too late. If
1: that's not too late, we're going to look like idiots. (laughs) We should say as well, that is Friday the 22nd of September 2017. If you're listening now in 2035, that's obviously too late. But fair play to you for still being nostalgic (laughs) about the 90s. (laughs) Um, Chris, reviews? Okay, so we did this last year. You may remember, leave a review with a 90s footballer in it and we'll insert that particular 90s footballer into the titles of the next episode. However, we're bored of that. Let's broaden it out. Last year we had... Uh, last series we had Lee and Herring appearing in the uh, the podcast title sequence. Also Robson and Jerome. So this series... Leave a reference to the 90s. Any 90s any reference. Any 90s on iTunes. We'll read out our favourites. It doesn't have to be five stars, but obviously we'll give you preferential. To is. <laughs> leave a reference to something in the 90s and it will appear in the title sequence next episode.
2: Now, finally, the quiz episode was... Uh, One of the twelve most popular we had in the last series. (laughs) We decided that, you know, nothing happens at the end of the show. But when we played out with a 90s song, it was the best ending we ever had. So we're going to play out with a 90s song every week to choose it. Me and Chris are going to go head-to-head in a quiz done by Michael. Whoever wins gets to choose a 90s song. Michael.
3: Because the 90s were synonymous with England being eliminated from international tournaments on penalties, I thought we'd tenuously commemorate this. So it's time now for the Quickly Kevin 90s Football Penalty Shootout
2: Quiz. And what we're going to get now is a penalty shootout. Can I just say that I've got such a good song that I want to play that I really want to win this.
1: (laughs) It's uncomfortable how much you want to win this.
2: I could just go on Spotify, but it really does. (laughs) I prefer to hear it this way. Here's how it works.
3: Both players will be asked a 90s football-based trivia question. The penalty taker will get to answer first, the goalkeeper will then get to respond with his answer. Whichever player is the closest to the correct answer will score or save accordingly. Now, it's a sudden death penalty scenario, so the first player to score and save back-to-back penalties will win the game and choose the song to play out the show. Now we tossed a coin before the show and Josh is going to shoot first.
2: So, Statistically better thing to do in a penalty shootout. Yes, and as it's so better to be shooting up the skull end. Yeah. Interesting quirk of human psychology.
3: It's the 90s, so we will not be using the ABBA system. <laughs> okay. Here is your first question. World Cup Italia 90 has the lowest goals per game record Correct. of any World Cup. But how many goals were scored in total? at the tournament okay so, so
2: i think there's was 48 games i think it would have been about 1.9 so i reckon it would have been about 106 106
3: chris this is your attempt to save how many do you think whoever's closest will score or save 105 can I just say this is great? I've never felt so alive. <laughs> so, Josh has gone 106, Chris has gone 105. The correct answer was 115. No!
2: Yes! No, it's Tucked in. into the corner, tucked <laughs> into the absolute. Smashed
3: it in the top corner. So, Chris. Yes. You step
2: up to the spot. Mm. Just wiping my gloves on the towel, hung in the net. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Here's your question. The imposter, who turned out not to be George Weir's cousin, replaced Matt Letizia as a sub for his one and only Premier League appearance. That. But how many minutes was he on the field oh, for great question. before being replaced again himself by Ken Moncal.
1: I'm sure Letizia went off injured, and I'm also sure it was in the first half, and I'm fairly sure it was towards the end of the first half. So I'm going to go... 41 minutes 41 minutes
3: Chris has shot 41 40. minutes Josh has attempted a save with 40 I wanted to say 38 I lot have gone 37 Mate. <laughs> the correct answer was 53
4: minutes. Oh! oh! one oh!
1: Okay Josh steps up to the spot Ready? Here's your question Hang on, I've just got to go talk to Josh I've just got to go I know, I know which way you're going to shoot And now I'm walking back to the goal. Josh, here's your question. How many professional career goals did
3: alleged rifter thief (laughs) F. Anacocu score at club level in his career?
2: Uh, I reckon he'd have probably scored about 10 to 15 a season for 10 to 15 years.
1: 123. Your shoots with
3: 123,
1: Chris. I was thinking high 80s, so I'm gonna go 122.
2: When you go high 80s, be a real man.
1: <laughs> Chris
3: has gone 122. The correct answer was 109.
4: Oh, we
1: saved! Skull saves. So this is for the victory. Skull steps up to the penalty spot. My team, huddler, they're all arm in arm now, in the centre circle. One bloke looking away. The most expensive transfer in the nineties ah.
3: was Christian Vieri moving from Lazio no. to Inter Milan in 1999. Mm. But how much was the fee? Great
1: question. That is a good question. I I'm sure going again, 15 million, and I think that was a, that must have been like 97. So I reckon I I'm, I have a feeling that it was double that. I think he went for 30 million.
3: 30 million. 29.9, please. Oh So if Chris scores, he wins. Chris has shot with thirty million. Josh has dived. Bottom left corner, twenty-nine point nine million. Easy. The correct answer was thirty-one no. million. <laughs> Goal goes down the middle. He's reboning no! him. He's
1: reboning him. You. Look at that. 3-1 no! And now my team oh. are mobbing me. So <laughs> just...
3: They've run from the halfway line. They've embraced him. Now, the only question on their lips what song <laughs> is
1: going to play out? As I shake Josh's hand, I look him dead in the eye and say, Michael, dodgy, good enough. Thank you very much. I'm one up in the series. We'll see you again next week. Don't forget to sign up to mailing list quicklykevin.com. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.